Welcome to The Well Podcast, where we post the audio messages for our Sunday sermons. For more information about us and how to get further connected, feel free to visit our website at thewellaustin.com. All right. Um, my name is Ian Fletcher. Uh, I am a Covenant community member here at The Well. Um, I am on Teardown team, and I attend the Hyde Park CG. <clears throat> First place at CG Olympics this year. Um, all right, and I'm going to be reading uh, from Ezra 7, um, 11 through 28. Um, so bear with me. I may get out of breath halfway through this. All right. So this is a copy of the letter that King Artaxerxes gave to Ezra the priest, the scribe, a man learned in matters of the commandments of the Lord and his statutes for Israel. Artaxerxes, king of kings, to Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, peace. And now I make a decree that anyone of the people of Israel or their priests or Levites in my kingdom who freely offers to go to Jerusalem may go with you. For you are sent by the king and his seven counselors to make inquiries about Judah and Jerusalem according to the law of your God, which is in your hand, and also to carry the silver and gold that the king and his counselors have freely offered to the God of Israel, whose dwelling is in Jerusalem with all the silver and gold that you shall find in the whole province of Babylonia, and with the freewill offerings of the people and the priests vowed willingly for the house of their God that is in Jerusalem. With this money, then, you shall with all diligence buy bulls, rams, and lambs with their grain offerings and their drink offerings, and you shall offer them on the altar of the house of your God that is in Jerusalem. Whatever seems good to you and your brothers to do with the rest of the silver and gold, you may do according to the will of your God. The vessels that have been given you, given you for the service of the house of your God, you shall deliver before the God of Jerusalem. And whatever else is required for the house of your God, which it falls to you to provide, you may provide it out of the king's treasury. And I, Artaxerxes the king, make a decree to all the treasurers in the providence beyond the river, whatever Ezra the priest, the scribe of the law of the God of heaven, requires of you, let it be done with all diligence, up to a hundred talents of silver, a hundred cores of wheat, a hundred baths of wine, a hundred baths of oil, and salt without prescribing how much. Whatever is, in, is decreed by the God of heaven, let it be done in full for the house of the Lord of heaven." lest his wrath be against the realm of the king and his sons. We also notify you that it shall not be lawful to impose tribute, custom, or toll on any one of the priests, the Levites, the singers, the doorkeepers, the temple servants, or other servants of this house of God. And you, Ezra, according to the wisdom of your God that is in your hand, appoint magistrates and judges who may judge all the people in the providence beyond the river." All such as know the laws of your God, and those who do not know them you shall teach. Whoever you will not obey the law of your God and the law of, your, of the king, let judgment be strictly executed on him, whether for death or for banishment or for confiscation of his goods or for imprisonment. Blessed be the Lord, the God of our fathers, who put such a thing as this into the heart of the king to beautify the house of the God that is in Jerusalem and who extended to me his steadfast love before the king and his counselors, and before all the king's mighty 
officers, I took courage, for the hand of the Lord my God was on me, and I gathered leading men from Israel to go up with me. This is the word of the Lord. All right, all right. My favorite people, how are we? Cool, cool. Uh, someone said that uh, their CG was going to play word bingo with my phrases this week and that the first bingo sheet would be blank phrase. How are we? Um, and so I said that was, I do that because that's the only time that over 60% of the congregation talks during the sermon. All right. And so uh, with that joke, you'll be looking at common idioms I use throughout the sermon. You're welcome. So let's chop it up. All right. Uh, this morning, we are rounding third base in Ezra coming to home plate. And we'll have two weeks after this sermon and looking at the rebuilding of the temple. And what we're seeing is the community of God and the temple of God beginning to take form and shape. And so I hope that this series has been encouraging for you as we're kind of beginning to wrap it up in a lot of ways. But today what we see is another uh, repetitious cycle of the returnees that is happening. And so if you were here last week, you kind of hopefully remember this. If you were not here, let me give you a really quick recap with a chart. Ezra and Nehemiah, which was originally one scroll, tells three stories the exact same way. And so you're really getting three stories over and over again. Throw that chart up there for me, brother. And what you're seeing in the midst of this is there is this kind of repetitious cycle where the only difference is who the main characters are. What we see this week is another provision of an ancient king, just as Ian just read for us. And similar to last week, though, while there are some commonalities in this king, this generation kind of adds another wrinkle to the story to help us to understand how we can, along with the ancient Israelites, be building a better temple for God and be joining with them in this uh, opportunity to really build God's kingdom. I said last week, I'll say it again, if the same story is told in scripture multiple times, it must be in there for a reason. So the fact that you get three repetitive cycles in one scroll means God really wants us to get something. And so I hope with the added wrinkle, we begin to take away the meat of what God is doing here again this Sunday. My question is, hey, what are you building, saints? What are you building? And is what you're building going to last for eternity? Let me give you some New Testament uh, emphasis that we haven't added into this series just yet, but I think it'll really help our minds kind of marry what's happening here in the Old Testament and begin to hopefully learn how to play that out in the new. In 1 Corinthians chapter three, Paul says this, very clearly taking his cues from this story that we are in. 1 Corinthians chapter three, beginning in verse 12. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation, he's talking about the temple, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, we saw all that in this letter, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it, but it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer a loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? What we are doing here and what you are doing for God genuinely matters. And what Paul is saying is that you and I have an opportunity to build a better temple. Do you not know, saints, that you are the temple of God? 
That's what Paul is getting at here. And so today I wanna title this sermon, Using God's Provision. What does it look like to use God's provision and what he has given to us to give it back to God and to build something better for God and with God for the sake of his name? I remember in high school, uh, I was really desiring to go to this place, but I was at my dad's house and I was alone by myself. I'll be 100% honest, I don't remember what I was trying to go to, but it felt really important, like a homecoming or some big football event or something. And I remember like longing for my dad to get home and him not showing up. And me realizing I was going to miss this, I kind of started getting frustrated. At one point I looked out the window and I saw that my dad's truck was still there. So I was like, did I just miss, is he like sleeping in the other room, right? So I went into the other room and saw he wasn't there. And then as I came back out, I realized that he had left the keys sitting on the counter. And I remember when he left, he kind of said to me like, hey, like, you know, you can get to where you need to go or whatever, but I didn't really know what he was talking about. So I realized his keys were on the counter left there for me to take the car and to go to this event. The problem was, was that my dad really loved his little Ford Explorer. Back in the day, that was the jam, right? He had some 16s on it because he couldn't afford 20s, but he was like pimping that thing out. And I had just crashed my stepmom's Ford Taurus not too long before that. So I was actually really scared to take the car and I just didn't do it, even though the keys were left there for me. And so I never really got to go to this thing that I felt like would fulfill me because I didn't use the means that was provided for me by which to go. For some of us, I think that we're not active in building God's kingdom, either because we don't realize what we have to offer or because we're too afraid to use it or we use it on ourselves. We don't use at times the things that God has provided to get to the means by which we want to get to. This story gives us a ton of principles that we would use God's means of provision to build the temple of God. And so let's dive into the text a little bit today. Piggybacking off of last week's story, we see that Ezra was this beast of a dude. I called him the ancient Near Eastern Christopher Henry, right? We see that Ezra was a priest and a scribe, and he was learned. We see that in this section, Ezra was an advisor. In fact, in verse 25, we see that he was a teacher. And in verse 26, we see that Ezra was also a judge. Ezra was a gifted, gifted man. And with these gifts, with these skills that he had, remember we talked about last week, he had his lineage, he had his natural skills, he had his biblical aptitude. He was using all of them to build up a dwelling place for God and that that was a clear call out to us. Well, this week continues in all of this gifting of Ezra. And what I believe is telling us is that we too are to use the gifts or the skills that God has given us to build up the temple of God, which first Corinthians would tell us is the people of God. Do you not know that you are the temple? We, like Ezra, should be using our gifts and skills for this purpose as well. So are you someone who's a beast with the scriptures? Are you a naturally hospitable person? Uh, Do you have the gift of intercession? Prayer draws you in and others into the presence of God. Do you have natural gifts like we discussed last week? Do you have leadership gifts or administrative gifts? Are you just a generally speaking welcoming person? Do you love children? 
Do you care about justice? Do you have a heart for the nations? Are you gifted with finances? What does it look like to take the things that you have and to use it to build God's temple, the people that are around you, or to reach those who are indeed sheep, they're just not here yet because they have not heard the voice of the Father, but they will hear the voice of the Father through you. Are you building up the church of God? Do you recognize that these gifts that you have, they come from God and are you using them, God's provision to you to build up the temple of God that is around you? Do you recognize that you have the keys, saints? They're sitting there on the counter. And do you use those keys to drive that car to get to what you want to do? Are you using God's provision to build up the temple of God? Do you realize that God wants you to partner with him to build his kingdom? Yes, little old you and little old me. That God wants to use us to build the kingdom of God. So Ezra was this beast of a dude. In irony, what we see in this section is most of what we're about to read is actually a letter from a pagan king, but inserted into scripture. That context is really important. So we see this long letter from King Artaxerxes. Uh, Art is what they called him in the hood. And so K-Art really had this fear of God, right? But what do we see? Like, how did the king know all of these things about God? How is it that the king had this much fear and reverence? How did he know God the way that he did? Notice several reasons from his letter why I'm saying that. He calls God the God of heaven. That is a really, really high name, right? Like he is the God that is reigning over all, the God of heaven. He also is the God of Israel. Notice multiple times it also says that he is the God or that God is the God of Jerusalem or in Jerusalem over and over and over again. Furthermore, in verse 24, it says that Artaxerxes actually knew the temple personnel and who was supposed to be building up the temple. He also in verse 14 and 21 knew the importance of God's law. He also knew in verse 17, all the sacrifices that Yahweh would want sacrificed to him. And I could go on with examples in the midst of this letter. How in the world did Art know all about this about God? Like, why was his reverence so high? I would say there's probably two reasons. One of them is no doubt the influence of the Jewish leaders like Ezra that were around him that were unashamed of their faith. Daniel, the predecessor to Ezra, was very clearly bold with his faith in the midst of foreign kingdoms. And this encouraged other Jews to maintain a level of boldness as well. Artaxerxes could have only known all of these things through the testimony of Ezra and others. He was not Jewish. He's never been to this region. He does not worship this God, yet seems to know more about God than a lot of Christians know about God. Hello. Meaning part of the provision of God came because of the evangelistic influence of Ezra, despite the fact that there was no indication that this king ever converted and started following Yahweh as God. Ezra was just really skilled at his job and he was extremely faithful in his witness and this won the king's respect and through this caused him to be extremely generous to God's people. Do you realize the reality of what we're saying here? Listen, Ezra was faithful, right? Uh, uh, Not just Ezra though, but other Jewish leaders as well. 
Because Esther comes right before Ezra, and in irony, Esther was the queen of Artaxerxes' dad. Now, it's unlikely that Artaxerxes came from Esther. You remember that kings would have multiple wives back in the day. But nonetheless, Artaxerxes grew up in the household where he saw this faithful Jewish woman literally save all of the Jews. And so her testimony mixed with the testimony of Ezra, probably mixed with Nehemiah, and others caused this king to realize the beauty of God. Now there's multiple people being faithful here. So what am I getting at? Well, Ezra and Esther and others are using their provision of faith to cause them to be bold about sharing the goodness of God. And what this garnered was favor and provision. Do you believe that God can still do this type of thing through your faithful witness today, family? I think about even for our church, when we were in Campbell Elementary, we began to outgrow that space. And because Austin costs $1.6 billion to get any sort of space, you all know that who are trying to buy a house, I'm sorry, you're gonna be renting forever, but your reward's coming in heaven, praise God, hallelujah, okay? But we could not find a space, and so we began to look around, and we finally found Martin Middle School. The problem with Martin Middle School was that they had not allowed churches to use that space. And just to be candid, there was a little bit of hostility about us coming in and ruining their floor and ruining their stuff, etc. And so what we did was we just asked Campbell Elementary to be a witness for us to Martin Middle School. And what they began to tell them was, hey, these literally are people that you want inside of your school because they will bless it. But I would really encourage you not to give them this space so that they stay here because we want them staying here. And that began to be a witness to us and it opened up the door. Despite the fact that I don't think that anybody at Campbell Elementary ever came to faith because of our witness, we were faithful and this began to pave the way of favor by which we can then grow and expand as a church. And so are you being bold? Are you using your faith to try to win others part of the command of God, but also recognizing that when your faith matches your actions, it often paves the way for you and for others, even in the presence of people who think that they are the king of kings. Did you realize what Artaxerxes called himself here? He said, the king of all kings. And so I say that there were two reasons that Artaxerxes was generous. The first one was because of the faithful witness of others, but the second is probably a really selfish reason, which we can see even as he starts his letter. He thinks he's the king of kings. So he did not convert to worship Yahweh. He would have known better than to blaspheme God like that. Verse 23, actually, it's pretty clear Artaxerxes' intentions here. He was just trying to please, in his mind, a foreign deity. He did not want his wrath to fall on his sons. And in fact, in verse 24, we see the exact same treatment of other captured countries in Persia from extra-biblical accounts. In other words, there are historical ancient documents referencing this king of kings that would go into conquered nations from Persia and bless them so that their gods would not be against Persia. But Ezra saw this not just as policy, but Ezra recognized God working and using this king's selfishness for Israel's advantage. 
So despite Artaxerxes' intentions, Ezra sees God through this and is using this to advance God's purposes. And so Ezra is using favorable situations as God's provision and is using this to do what God has called him to do. I think about this in our own context. A lot of secular companies, they give matching gifts to 501c3s. And so I know a lot of people that give to the well, but that use their company's giving so that they can match their 501c3 status and double down on their gifts. Now I get it. This company is just trying to use a tax write-off. They don't wanna pay as many taxes. Okay, we'll take their material funds and turn it into spiritual fruits and hopefully through this begin to bless eternity. In fact, one of the things that Art does is he actually does not make the temple workers pay taxes. You see that there in verse 24. We literally have this exact same thing today. Churches do not pay property taxes, generally speaking. And the reason being is that the government recognizes that wherever a church is, they do not need as many social programs around that church because the church is really good at caring for the least of these and at honoring people whose society tends to dishonor. And wherever churches are, there is a general increase in happiness in that community, even if that community doesn't attend that church. And so the government doesn't tax churches because they see us as a benefit and the government just doesn't wanna deal with real world problems. Okay, we'll take that and use that for the kingdom of God, right? Can you saints recognize where maybe God is orchestrating someone else's perhaps selfish intentions and actually trying to bring about redemption through this? Do you realize, I may be tipping my hand here a little bit, but how God is trying to use everything by which as a means of provision to build up a better temple. And can you like Ezra see where God is orchestrating maybe behind the scenes and partner with God to build up the temple of God? Can you see how he's trying to use you to build the new temple, humans, right? like and either partner with him or sacrifice to him to see this building plan come to completion. Ezra is realizing that God is using everything as a means of provision by which to bless God's name. Verse 21 and 22. This section here is phenomenal. This is enough grain, salt, wine, and oil for about two years of temple service. Yo, um, If there's some foreign king amongst us who would like to pay for two years of the well's expenses, the Lord bless you and keep you, right? But in verse 21, Ezra actually receives what would be in our language, like a blank check from the king. He's like, whatever you need, use it. And then you can use the rest of it as your God sees fit. So two years is nice, but if someone wants to write a blank check in this mug, my number is 248, right? 281-330-8005. The 15% of people that got that, that was really funny. (laughs) The rest of y'all can look it up later, okay? Do you believe that God can still do things like this, y'all? Do you believe that God can do this? (laughs) Proverbs chapter 21, verse one, right? I love this section. Solomon is writing, he says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. 
One of the teammates in exegesis this week while we were walking through this said that this story challenges his prayer life because it's so unexpected that God would use someone like this to build up the house of God. It is unexpected, but Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 would also tell us that to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. I mean, he did give us his son, didn't he? So how would he not use other things to build up you as he's trying to reach you because God loves you? Do you realize where God is moving and partnering with him? That same person then busted out in prayer during exegesis in awe at how God was using this king. And he said, Lord, would you raise up men and women like Ezra who are full of faith and skill? Would you do crazy things through others like this king for the advancement of your kingdom? Amen. And so rather than putting the application of prayer at the end today, like we have throughout this whole series, I wanna put it right here in the middle. Do you believe that God can do this? I would invite you in our church to pray, God, right? Please help me to use your provision to build your temple and provide for us in unexpected ways. Would you pray that? That God would provide for us, for you, in unexpected ways, not so that you can finally afford that house in Austin, although maybe that will be a blessing to many, but so that you can actually build up God's kingdom in unbelievable ways and be storing for yourself treasures in heaven because Paul says, any of the work that you do that makes it through the fire, there's going to be a reward for you. Do you believe that, saints? Do you see what God is calling you into? Do you believe that God can raise up rulers today the way he raised up Artaxerxes? CEOs that are willing to bless the church or school board or politicians or athletes or artists or business owners or, or realtors, all of them are water in God's hands. He can walk right on top of that water and do whatever he wants with it. Are you praying and where God is providing even through surprising sources? Are you realizing through surprising generosity, are you then using this to just consume for yourself or are you using it to build a better temple? Look, y'all, I'm trying to get us to invest in eternity in this mug. I don't know if you've realized throughout this series what my heart has been, but that's been my heart, that you have an opportunity to invest in eternity. Are you doing it, family? Are you doing it? Can I make a quick side point that's really important for us, I believe, here? I don't know why I asked that, because I would go even if somebody said no, okay? Um, but I do want this to serve as a little bit of a warning and a little bit of a challenge for us. Uh, even though this king seems to be moving with a little bit of policy and selfishness here, there's no doubt at least some reverence for God. Like if he thought that God was a puny God, he would not have offered up all of this money and all of these people and all of these resources. So clearly there's some reverence for Yahweh. Um, it's interesting because this pagan king seems to have more fear and reverence for God than a lot of the Israelite kings had for God. Uh, in fact, what this king commands Ezra to do are things that they're supposed to already be doing as the people of God. So this is sort of a rebuke. Why did they not do these things when Zerubbabel was on the scene? Like, why were they not already doing all of this? The, the repetition of command and provision of God, God having to provide again, is coming from someone who does not have a covenant with God. He's a foreign king. And yet, he's calling them to remember their covenant with God. 
Dang. I hope that's convicting enough without me even going into the point. Actually, never mind. Let me go into this point. All right? When people say, aren't Christians supposed to be... Now listen, sometimes they're bugging y'all. They're trying to get you to obey their covenant and forsake your covenant with God. You don't gotta listen to that. But at times they're calling us to sustain the covenant laws that we already have with God and this shouldn't happen. Like, and yet I would argue even this is a grace to try to get us to more fully and freely follow God. Y'all feel me? Uh, um, God here is using the provision of worldly challenge to cause God's people to better build God's holy temple, to better fulfill God's mission and vision. Be careful who you reject as not speaking biblical truth. If God could speak out of the mouth of a donkey, maybe that activist that's irritating to you is preaching more truth than the podcast that you frequent. Maybe they're calling you to stick to the commands of God and through this to build the house of God, even if they're foreign kings and don't even know God. Right, like, like we need to realize that God is trying to draw our attention to that which actually matters. And we as a people can easily be diverted saints. We can easily build this house instead of God's. Now notice in this section, the king provided all of this silver, right? So it would have been tempting to just relax, to lean back like Fat Joe, right? Relax. And God's provision, it comes from the outside. So it's easy for us to think that we don't have to do too much, but there's still the free will offering of God's people. That was my third rap reference in this song. <laughs> I'm trying to get everybody to get in, right? Some of y'all know the lean back one. Okay. Listen, it's mentioned multiple times in this section, right? Verse 15, verse 16, verse 16 again. There's this free will offering from the people of God. And so just because others are killing the work doesn't mean that you're not needed. Hello, right? Just because someone is discipling 20 people does not mean that they can disciple 200 people. We still need you. The offerings of everyone to build up a beautiful place that looks like the kingdom of heaven that makes a home for many. We need to make more home for people that are not here. We need to make space, y'all. And God wants to use you to do that. You are likely more significant than you realize. Do you hear me, saints? You are more significant than you give yourself credit for unless you think that the Holy Spirit is a weak God. But the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, wanting to gift to you, wanting you to build up the temple of God. So yes, God may be using this massive provision of the king and these massive gifts that are in Ezra, but he also wants to use the sacrifices of many to build up a beautiful place. Do you realize you have the keys to the car? Do you see it? Okay, there's still a ton of meat on Artaxerxes' letter. Y'all can discuss it and see Jesus this week because y'all are picking back up this week, right? But Ezra, he ends this section with just two verses, but these two verses should really influence us. In verse 27 and in verse 28 is Ezra's only speech in this. And when Ezra starts to talk, he talks way more about the presence of God being with us. You see, the king is talking all about provision and praise God, provision is good. But when Ezra talks, it's all about presence. And presence, dear friends, is better than provision. Do you long for the hand of God to be present before you, or do you long for the heart of God to be present within you? 
This is where we need to begin to shift our perspective. In fact, I would argue that all of this provision led to praise. And so when God provides for you, dear sister and dear brother, I hope that one of your first acts is to praise. Because we'd be completely missing the point if we did a bunch for God, but never saw intimacy with God in the process. Here's the reality. Think about what the Israelites are doing here, y'all. Don't get lost in the Old Testament, right? The temple building was all about God's presence being able to be with God's people. A place where atonement and forgiveness could be had. A place where prayers could be heard and answered. A place where worship could be given. It was about making a place for God to be able to dwell with his people. And so woe to us if we use God's provision, but miss the purpose of that provision, which is praise and presence. This phrase that Ezra uses, for such a thing, I love that phrase. It's actually a Hebrew idiom. It does not translate at all into English. What Ezra is saying is, I don't have words to express how faithful God is, but as he's looking at all of God's provision, it is leading him to worship and to begin to connect with the heart of God. Do you realize all of the ways that God has provided for you to even be alive and breathing today, let alone be somebody who's hearing about the goodness of God and worshiping God? God is trying to orchestrate everything in your life that he, that you might see he loves you, saints that you might see he's for you, that you might see that God desires to make his temple home with you, with you and me. All of this is so that God's presence would be with us. Can we keep it 100 though? Many of us don't use God's provision for others. Many of us don't even walk in God's provision for ourselves. We leave the keys on the table or we take the keys and just drive off to do our own thing, only use it for our benefit. We miss all of the principles that were just on that list. And so while this story is beautiful, I believe that it points to a more beautiful rebuilding of a better temple. I know the story that this one is foreshadowing. And if we miss the foreshadow of this story, we'll walk out with a bunch of moral commands, but not a whole lot of worship. We'll walk out using God's provision rather than seeking God's presence. But I know the presence this is pointing to. You see, Ezra the priest went to the king of kings and asked that the temple would be built, and it was. But Jesus, the better priest, went to the greater king of kings and asked that a new temple, you, would be built. And guess what? You were. This king gave up supplies from his own kingdom to build the temple. Our king did not just give up supplies, he gave up his one and only son. And the son did not just give up supplies, he gave up his blood to build up a kingdom, to come to this kingdom of earth and to find a bunch of ruined temples and to begin to rebuild us into the house of God. Artaxerxes sacrificially provides all of this money for this resource, but Christ's blood was a better sacrifice and Jesus is the better picture of this story. He's building a better temple, you. Jesus is building you. In fact, y'all, let's keep going in this. In verse 26, it says that if you did not keep this king's decree, then guess what would happen? Judgment, death, banishment, imprisonment, and the same is true for us. Each of us has broken the king of heaven's edict. We've selfishly used God's provision for ourselves. We have not built into others. We do not follow God's law. We deserve judgment and death and banishment from God, but Christ. 
he was judged and he died and he experienced separation from God so that you and I through belief in him would not have to. Meaning family, that even where we fail to keep all of the principles that's mentioned, Jesus did not fail. Not one of these things. Jesus died that you might be cleansed and might be rebuilt, but he did not just die, he also ascended. And when he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit of heaven down to give us gifts that are better than wheat and silver and gold and salt. And he will empower you to be like Ezra, to be temple builders as well. Jesus is the better Ezra and you are the better temple, and you have been given a better gift, the Spirit of God, meaning you and I can now be the better Israel responding to the provision of God, the King of Kings, and offer free will offerings to God and build up temples, 1 Corinthians chapter three. Do you not know that you are the temple, the temple of God? And so I asked the exact same question that I've asked in four of the last five weeks. What and how is God calling you to build? What, how, who is God calling you to build? How can you use everything to truly build into others, the people of God, a better temple of God? Listen, I know many who are already killing the game at this, y'all. I think about uh, Madeline uh, Wolfenden or, or Thomas Peevler or Brian Arfman or Felicia, Anthony, Dana, Courtney Harris, all killing it with kids, like serving almost week in and week out to build up the next generation. I think about Antonio and Abigail Del, Del Pozo, who's using real estate, the platform there to try to advance God's kingdom through that, that means. I think about Anthony Davis, who's just excellent in his work and is trying to lead this into favor with others. I think about Ben and Mike Lynn Brown, who is wanting to cultivate a heart of prayer for their own family, but then also bless our church with a heart of prayer as well. I think about Chris So who has been a CG shepherd and a host and on the welcome team and on the worship team and generally shows up early and stays late and is wanting to help in whatever way that he can. I think about Joelle Jung, who's in student ministry or on the host team or is an admin for her group and is super involved in the Weber East CG. I think about Emma Lee, who's a CG shepherd and on the worship team and on the FAM, foster advocacy ministry and a foster mom herself, but still serving. I think about Linda, who's on the prayer team and is super involved in CG and is wanting to bless others. I think about Thomas Solomon, who's on the setup team and the teardown team and all the events team and is literally willing to help anytime you ask this man for help. I think about Virginia, who is on the setup or the a CG host and just the longevity of her serving or, or Tucker Steele or, or Chris, who's been running sound for week after week after week or CG Shepherds, you know, you know you, right? Like worship team, you know what you've done this past year even. I could name dozens and dozens of more. You know you, you, you know you, if you're in the midst of that. My encouragement to you would be keep building. Like, don't grow weary in doing good. You are doing something that God is writing down in his book, Revelation tells us, that will be sung about for eternity. What you're doing matters. It matters. Figure out how you can keep your hands strong so you keep your hands to the plow and do not look back until he returns. For each of us though, even if we're faithful, is there more or different? Is there something that God is calling us into? 
Just this week, as I was praying through this, in irony, for the past three weeks, I felt God leading me personally to serve him more in a certain area. So are you sensitive to God's spirit and to God's word to know, like, what are you building? Um, It's interesting. Let, Let me end with this thought. The only reason that Ezra could have courage, look at verse 28 again, was because that God's hand was on him. Do you realize when God's hand is on you, saint? Do you sense it? Like, do you realize the keys are on the table? That God is like, you can drive the car. You can go. If we realize the hand of God more quickly and moved, I think you would experience the heart of God more fully. And this would ignite your soul with the flames of passion that would last for him throughout all of eternity. It would last every trial. It would prepare you for a great reward. I pray that you would recognize God's provision and use that provision for the sake of his temple, humans around you. May we forever do this for the praise of his glory. Amen. 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 I love you guys like crazy. Let's pray together. In fact, if you would, as we begin to pray, Holy Spirit of God, I actually just ask that you would speak to each of us in this room. God, that right now, you would begin to speak to us. What is it, precious Spirit of God, that you are calling us to do? How can we build your temple, people, a better temple? Friends, I would invite you just for 30, 45 seconds here, just try to listen to the voice of God. Maybe you've never heard the voice of God before. Maybe he's already speaking to you through this sermon, through worship this morning. I believe that God speaks. God, how are you calling us to build your temple? Spirit of God, would you speak to us right now? Father God, for those who maybe don't fully have a relationship with you, maybe have never sensed your presence, I pray that you would speak to them today, that your call to them is to come be the temple of God, 
that they would come into this family, that they would begin to be the house of God, that they would begin to be built up. Friend, I want you to know you can have a relationship with God if you place your faith in Him. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I wanna follow you. I wanna serve you. You are invited in despite what your past would tell you. That through simple belief, we get entered in to this eternal thing. <laughs> and Christ, for each of us, whether we heard you directly today or not, you've spoken so much through your word, God, just let us be obedient to that. And Jesus, if you've spoken, Spirit of God, if you are moving us towards something, I pray we'd be obedient to that, Jesus, not just for the sake of seeing your hand, but for the sake of receiving your heart, God, that we would know your presence, we would know your goodness, that your temple will be built up. Move in us, King Jesus. We pray this in your precious, your beautiful name, Father. Amen. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. If you want more information about us or how to get further connected, please visit our website, thewellaustin.com.